1: Love to Radio. Last
0: night I saw a lunar eclipse in the sky, and something happened in my mind I, I saw you in a whole different light, Clear.
2: I want you to stay the same. I want you to stay right here with me for the next hour. I'm Bonnie D. Graham, a.k.a. Radio Red. Boy, is it raining and fluing and cloudy and drippy out here in New York on Long Island, but we've got the sun shining here on the next hour, my little corner of the world. It's called Read My Lips. I've got my, as my engineer Tom Ross at WGBB Radio used to say, Bonnie has, what she say? He said those crystal clear ocean blue eyes and those bee stung red lips. Yes, I've got my red lipstick on. So we're here for the next hour. I have two really, really smart, interesting, passionate women. They're both authors, been there, done that, interesting insights, great advice. I'm going to go out on a limb here and say that even though we're probably focusing on women Men, if you're listening, don't hang up, don't go away, don't switch the app, the dial, the mouse, whatever you're doing. Give you some insights into how women operate today, and maybe you'll learn a little more about that elusive feminine mentality, female persona of the lady or ladies in your life. I think you can live and learn a little bit with us today. We're first going to be speaking to Debbie Phillips. Of course, both ladies I met recently at the National Publicity Summit. You know, that's where I meet about 95% of my guests for good reason. Steve Harrison gets the best new authors, the best talkers and smart people around, and I'm privileged to meet them and invite them here on the show. First up, we'll be talking about women on fire, fire. Yes, 20 inspiring women share their life secrets and save you years of struggle. We won't be talking to all 20 We'll be talking to Debbie Phillips, lady who figured it out. She goes off into the sunset with the banner, Women on Fire. We'll find out what that means to her, why she chose that as the title of her book. Little Birdie Tells Me Book Number Two is coming out soon. Can't wait. These are interesting stories written by fabulous women. might save you years of struggle. might save you moments of heartache or angst, too. Some of these stories will reduce you to tears. I did cry with some of them, but you know what? There's a message in them, and there's a life lesson. And we'll be talking to Debbie in just a few minutes about her fabulous book. Second half, we're going to be speaking to the equally beautiful and smart Lene Linnea Chapman. Linnae's book is Secrets to a Rockin' Life, How to Find Passion, Direction, and Fulfillment After College. Now, most of my listeners are not college age, but, hey, most of us are after college age. And while Linnae might be talking to the 2030-something set, I know for a fact that her message will work for those of us who are a decade or two or three past that age group where we want to find out. Maybe there's a quarter-life crisis, a half-life crisis, a senior life crisis. How do you figure out what to do when you're looking back, whether it's yesterday 10 years ago or 20 years ago, and all the successful people you met along the way, and why aren't you enjoying the same success in your life? Yeah, comparing yourself to other people. Let's find the good, the bad, and the ugly about that, and how do you find your own path? Lene has great advice, interesting book. It's a workbook, and she'll take us through some interesting exercises. Now, before I invite Debbie Phillips to start speaking with me, a couple of shout-outs. Hello to my Lorna, my Dune, my Mr. Monk, (laughs) new New Mini Cooper, hello beautiful Kaylee, hello my big kahuna, hope you're enjoying tennis camp this week, tag the artist, happy birthday from last week, and my violinist artist MKG, happy birthday this week on the 12th, all of 12 years old, my dancer 14, love you dearly, see you in a couple weeks, and Dr. Pepper holding down the fort, hello to Laura, always listening, Laura, Lena and Jackie, Melissa and Andrew, see you Friday, and AZ, and a whole bunch of other people who shall remain nameless july june 10th today don't move ahead bonnie the year's going too fast some really interesting birthdays tara Lipinski, the ice skater born today in 1982 lily Sobieski, the actress i know who she is she's very interesting very pretty blonde lady and she shows up in all kinds of shows i think a police procedural most recently maurice sendak the author 1928 shares a birthday with a woman who was six years his senior judy garland Pop quiz trivia, do you remember her real name? I'll tell you, Frances Gum, G-U-M-M. Barry Morse, the actor, was also born on June 10th, as was Saul Bellow, the writer. Let's see who else. Clyde Beattie, the circus performer, and Hattie McDaniel, the actress, way back in 1889. Don't send her a birthday card, it's okay. I saw the movie Newsies on TV. Didn't realize there was a movie that preceded the Broadway show. Now I don't have to go see it on Broadway. Very well done. Christian Bale, very young man, was the lead, not too bad a singer. And I saw in the movies last week, Now You See Me, with uh, Jesse Eisenberg and uh, Michael Caine and, oh, a whole bunch of Morgan Freeman. Very interesting. Really weird ending, though, really, really weird ending. I'm not sure I was happy with the ending, but I thought the movie was well done and fascinating. Okay, before my woman on fire catches on fire anymore, we have to bring her on. Waiting in the wings is my first guest, the wonderful Debbie Phillips. Her book is Women on Fire, 20 Inspiring Women Share Their Life Secrets and Save You Years of Struggle. Welcome, Woman on Fire, Debbie Phillips. How are you today? Welcome Bonnie Graham, woman on fire yourself,
1: I am fantastic, I'm coming to you from Martha's Vineyard today.
2: Oh how nice, how's the weather up there Debbie?
1: Well, it is pooky but and rainy, but we don't care. It's gorgeous here, <laughs> so we never complain.
2: I like pooky. I haven't heard that word before with the weather. So I've read about you. I met you in person. Beautiful lady, you are very smart. Tell us about the history of the term Women on Fire. When did you decide to own it as your brand? What did it mean before you took it? Who was there before you? And give us a little history on Women on Fire, Debbie.
1: Well, thank you. I love that you know that there was something before because you know I have I have a little turtle on my desk and it has four or five little turtles just to remind me that I'm always standing in somebody else's shell, and yeah. um and and in this case I did as well. Probably in 1996, I was living in Boston and I went to the to the um, uh, Museum of Fine Arts to see a film. Uh, because the name attracted me, and the name was uh, Woman on Fire. And Mm -hmm. so I went to the film. I met the director of the movie. It was a documentary about uh, women going through menopause, and it was hilarious and funny. Mm -hmm. And I was so struck by those words, Woman on Fire. And so remember, this was before Google. So the uh, I kept thinking about it, um, but never heard anything more about it, and many years later, so maybe six or seven years later, always thinking these words in my head, I was in Rhinebeck at the Omega Institute, and clear across the room, I see a woman in a white T-shirt with women on fire emblazoned on her T-shirt, and boy, Bonnie, did I make a beeline, <laughs> over to this woman because i was so thrilled i thought oh my gosh i found my movie producer and i i never thought i'd see her again so right? i ran up to her. i ran up to her and i i bumbled how much i loved her film and i was so glad to find her and i've been looking for her all these years and she was smiling so sweetly at me and she said um what film <laughs> and i pointed <laughs> to her shirt and she said um you know with the words women on fire on of her course. shirt and she said well my dear i'm actually a playwright and this is my one woman play wow so, i know isn't that wild So what were the chances? She'd never heard of the film, and I eventually did track down the filmmaker who never heard of the playwright. And I talked to both of them, and I told them that I had wanted to do something for women, and I love the name Women on Fire. And Mm -hmm. both of them just totally gave me their blessing and said, Hey, girl, you know, you want to do something for women, you go for it, and feel free to use Women
2: on Fire. Wonderful. I love the love the backstory, Debbie. And now tell us what did you want to do? I know women, career coaches, life coaches really weren't that big back in the day. Nobody really had heard much about them and there were some trailblazers. I believe you were one of them. So what did you actually want to do? And be sure to mention the tea parties. I'm very interested in those. What are they? Where are they? Who goes? And how did you evolve from a playwright and a movie producer who hadn't met each other? But had the same title. You put them together. And then, uh, and I have to read a quote. You have a quote in your book here early on, uh, a quote from the Talmud. Those of us of the Jewish faith Mm -hmm. or those who know it will understand that. Mm -hmm. And it's a beautiful quote every blade of grass has its Mm -hmm. angel that bends over it and whispers, Grow, grow. Have you ever wished for your own angel to whisper that over you like that? Yes, of course we have. So uh, tell me, Debbie, how did you go from the T-shirt and the two ladies to what <laughs> right, you do now? What what, what happened right. along the way? Right. Well, at that point I was a coach, and
1: I was coaching women individually. And, I was, and, and I'd had a career before that. I'd been a journalist, and I'd been a press secretary to a governor, and I'd run a television production company. I was very young when I did all of that. I was in my 20s and 30s. Um, up till when I was about forty, and I became a coach no one i I, I became a coach because I created what I had needed for myself um, mm-hmm. because I had been young i 'd had a lot of responsibility in my jobs, and I kept thinking just that um, Bonnie, that very quote uh, really had touched me deeply in my twenties uh, and thirties, and I felt like you know we all needed our our angels. So I became a coach. I was working with women one-on-one, and I knew they just needed so much more support. And they also felt very alone, as had I. You know, I'd gone through divorce. I'd gone through death and things in my family that were very painful, and I needed support and I know women these women I was working with needed even more support. So I decided to put them all together and I had been thinking about it which is what was so interesting around the fact that um Irene Garden is actually the playwright and it was so perfect when I met her was right when I was thinking I've got to start putting my women together and I named it you know and and mm-hmm. do and, and because of her enthusiasm I and as well as the woman who is the uh, Kathleen O'Loughlin who is the um, uh, the film director, I was inspired to go ahead and just name it right out of the box. So I put women together, I put them together in a tea. They loved it. And it was simply a tea with these 14, 16 women. We went around the room and said what we were on fire about or not, and these women totally fell in love with each other. And they're like, can we do this again, and can we bring our friends? (laughs) Ah, there you go. There you go. A a successful idea. There
2: there were the angels whispering and saying, grow, grow, and you did. So what are they now? I was fascinated to read what the T's are, but where are they? How often are they? Just give us a little idea. What happens?
1: Well, the women, the teas are actually headquartered in New York, and I run all of those. and And we probably do eight or ten teas a year. And then we also have a very large group of women in Columbus, Ohio. Um, I'm doing a tea in in Chicago. Every once in a while, I step out and do them in other cities. But we have women in other cities doing them. So um, we do them. Um, I mean, Ohio is a is a is a big uh, is a big place for for us to do them. But you. Can you can always do them in, in New York City, and,
2: um,
1: yeah, you can just go to our website at womenonfire.com and see whenever uh, whenever the next T and where, wherever that is. I do them in New York And I want to ask that. you, is
2: it women, womenonfire.org or Because I'm looking at um, both, .org. Both, you have both these, of them. Both. Good. I wanted to clarify that. Now, I read in your book before, we have to get into some of the stories, which are wonderful, very inspiring, oh, okay. very moving, and we have to talk mm-hmm. about yours, too, but not first. We'll do a couple before yours, and I read several, and I will be reading the rest of the book and ruth my mom i'm probably going to share this book with you mom because i think you'll enjoy these Mm. i know you will uh Mm. debbie you mentioned in the book when you walk through the door of this place in new york for the tea it's like walking into a victorian victorian heaven it's a a totally different environment tell us a little bit about what happens at, at when you walk in
1: well, it's held in this brownstone. It's a big secret. Even people who live in New York are always really surprised because they don't know it's there. It's called Lady Mendel's Tea Parlor. It was named after the woman who was the first interior decorator in the country, and ah. this street was run by women, very powerful women, in the uh, in in the at the turn of the century. So there's something very powerful about simply walking into this gorgeous Victorian. House and we have our own private room there, and I limit it in size um, to no more than 20 women, so that every woman, um, Mm. if she chooses to share what she's on fire about or not, can go, receive support, receive, um, uh, just share her great idea, share whatever she's is going on in her life. Because sometimes it's, you know, sometimes what, which is why I say, what are you on fire about or not? Because you know, we're all. All going through a transition, almost. You know, almost all of us are going through at least one transition at any given time,
0: and right. I like for
1: women to be able to express that. And that's what happens. It's a three-hour tea uh, where women get to know each other. They most of them do not know each other, and um, they come from the heart at these teas.
2: Very interesting. Very very interesting. And and we will send people to your website to learn more. Now we haven't defined not specifically, not really really in the trenches, what a woman on fire is or who a woman on fire is. And you ask it on page 9, the very beginning of the book, 20 Aspirations of Women on Fire. Are you a woman on fire? Ask yourself the following. May I read a couple of the key? what Sure, I think the please. Key? Okay, thank you. So you ask yourself, ladies who are listening. And by the way, it's okay for men to be listening and learn something, don't you think? Absolutely. Abby? Okay, Absolutely. good, Guys, Some of go our biggest away. supporters are men, and I really appreciate that. <laughs> Good. Okay. Well, they need to learn more. They need to learn how we think and feel and act and why we do what we do and why we treat them the way we do (laughs) and how we need to be talked to and thought about. Yes, and all that good stuff. So, are you a woman on fire? Do I, and ask yourself the following questions, desire deep fulfillment in my work and life? Do I cheer on the successes of other women? Do I embrace my talents and achievements? Let me move down the list here. Do I love to learn new things? Do I know how to ask for help? Well, that separates us apart from the other gender. We know that. Do I connect with other women in a trusting and soul-satisfying way? Do I have? Here's a good one. Do I have a positive attitude at least 90% of the time? <laughs>
1: hmm.
2: Uh, let's see. Do I act in a clear, direct way with compassion and kindness? And this is a, the critical one for me. Do I know mostly when to say yes? And how to say no. And lastly, uh, my last list here: cultivate a tough mind, yet lead my life with a tender heart. What's your favorite question out of this list, Debbie Phillips? What do you think is the most important definition if one stands apart? Um, Cheer on the successes of other women. Good. And I believe
1: if we can cheer each other on, I believe in a rising tide lifts all boats. And when we cheer each other on, because I I know that women need support more than anything. And when women feel supported and feel really valued, it's amazing what I see women accomplishing. And so that one has always been one of my favorites and cultivate a tough mind and yet lead my um, uh, life with a tender heart. I actually was inspired by Dr. Martin Luther King, and it's why I wrote that particular one. And I I feel that... Um, you know, we, we've been criticized as women for being too soft, or those are soft skills. Well, they're not soft skills. You know, being a powerful force in the world, as we as women can be, um, you know, we, we do need to be smart and, um, and and use our good mind, but we also can use our tender heart at the same time, and so I love that one, I too. But can I, I have agree. two? <laughs> I, that's
2: fine, that's fine, and there were many more I didn't read. I want to talk about your table of contents and then we're going to get down to business here. Uh, two questions for you. Well, I want to tell my, my listeners that Debbie's book is divided into three parts. Inspiration, one, two, three, four, five, one, two, three, four, five six, seven stories in inspiration. Strategies, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, and strategies in the last section is called support. One, two, three, four, five, six, oh, seven, okay, six. Okay, so we have 20 all together. I still can count on my fingers, <laughs> it's, it's okay. There's Life twenty. Learned- Thank God it's a good skill I kept all my life. So I want to ask you, how did you solicit these stories? How did you get the women to tell their stories in just five or six pages? That's quite a challenge. We all know it's easier to write more, and it's harder to write less. And and right. did you ask for submissions? Did you go finding them? Um, women mm-hmm. you met online, mm-hmm. women in person. Yep. How did you get? How did you sift yep. through? I'm sure you had many more coming.
1: Yeah. yeah, all of all of all of the above. I actually knew a lot of these women personally, and one of the reasons I was inspired to put this book together is because I knew what they had gone through. And had gotten to the other side, and I knew, I knew. For instance, you know, in Shannon McCaffrey's book *Breaking Loose from Corporate America*, I knew she'd been downsized four times before she started her entrepreneurial business. I knew that would be inspiring to people um, if they knew how she did it and how she finally came to being an entrepreneur. And um, and likewise with um, uh, struggling in the sandwich generation with Natalie Griffin. This was a woman who was young. She was in her late 30s with two. Babies and her mother had was very very ill and you know had had um, um, you know, Alzheimer's or I, I don't know you know just a dementia and yes. it was so powerful that i and she'd gotten through it and i and i just knew there was there was so much so that's really i chose them i either knew them i either had coached them i either you know somehow i uh-huh. i knew of their story and um asked them to submit and of course you know there were people who submitted that didn't get in but these women all had stories that i felt were role models for
2: other women Did you have to do any editing, I I have to ask, because the the stories are so tight, so succinct, and I love the fact that you have subheads in caps in kind of a gray type so that they don't really stop you but they make you think about what's coming next in the middle of the story. Several subheads, every couple of paragraphs. Thank you. So did you – well, thank you. I love yeah. it. I love the style of the book, Debbie. Did you have thank to you. do any editing, or did they come to you letter-perfect just like this? No, no, no. In fact, I worked with a longtime friend. I got
1: the best editor that I knew with a woman I'd worked with and had great experience with. Her name is Casey Cook. She's actually right now writing the biography of Clarence Clemens. Um She's writing the oh. official biography. Remember him, from, of course, mm-hmm. from – Sure. Barbara Springsteen's band, and yes. um, she was just an amazing write, uh, editor. And Casey and I really worked shoulder to shoulder to edit the chapters. We 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 came up with, you know, we knew it was going to be present your struggle, what went on in the struggle, what what were the strategies you used to get through, and where are you today. And so we really followed, uh, you know, asked the authors to follow that formula, and we knew it was going to be limited um, to, to about 3,000 words. And okay. so, so that made it easy and actually the second book is done very much we had such success with this one. It won the it won the um
2: Indie Excellence Award for the best compilation book in the country. Congratulations. I can't <laughs> so very proud Definitely of our see why. and what I love as a reader is a busy woman who has a lot to mm-hmm. do every day. Yeah. I like the fact that I could pick up and read a story in just a few minutes, six, eight pages at the most get through it, feel that I had gone A to Z and, and the whole thing. I understood the woman, her point of view, her history, the writing was wonderful, and Amazing. it was a mini book. It was just a, a little journey, and each one a self-contained but mini journey, and I know uh, Laura listens to the show every week and Flachelle is listening. Uh, flachelle uh, author who was on the show many years ago, we would become friends over the years, quite a powerhouse and woman on fire always herself. They're listening, and I know they would appreciate how well told these stories are and how brief they are, because they're both, Laura and Flachelle are both very busy ladies. And uh, I would like to talk about a couple of stories. One of my favorites was the first one in the book, surprise, surprise, <laughs> Holly Getty, Taking Shopping Seriously. Would you like to tell us a little bit about what Holly is trying to say? Well, Bonnie, that that I'd love to because that is
1: one of my favorite stories. It's one of the favorite stories of many, many people who have read this. And yes. Holly is, a, and I will tell you this about her her chapter, um, she's a very gifted writer, and so there was very little editing to Holly's chapter. It was and, fantastic. Uh, yes, yeah. it was just Hol- fantastic. Holly grew up, as many people um, have grown up where their parents have designs about what they should do. Holly, who is very creative and talented, um, her parents wanted her to be safe, and they planned for her to have a career in the insurance industry.
0: And Just that was like daddy. The like daddy. That's right.
1: thing. And so she moved to New York City, became involved in the fashion industry, and today Holly is one of the premier personal style consultants, as well as she's vice president at Calvin Klein and travels all over the world sourcing fabric. Wow! uh, But I know what this was a young girl who
2: she couldn't find her niche. Nobody understood her. Her dad Mm -hmm. kept saying, "When are you going to get a real job?" And yeah, yeah, yeah. And all Mm -hmm. she wants, but she didn't know what she wanted. Debbie, no, she went in and out of different parts of fashion and art and retail and clothing design and construction. Nothing fit. Nothing hit. And then she started doing makeovers for people quite yep. by accident and she caught on like a woman on fire may i read just a drop from the intro Please. just to wake people's appetites i would love to uh, let me, by the way, Bonnie, I just want to say yes. this. The next time I'm having you describe the story is
1: because you do it way
2: better than I do. It <laughs> <laughs> was good. Thank, you thank, thank you. you. thank you. I appreciate that and you have to give Holly my regards. Holly says, this is Holly Getty's story and the subtitle is, it's taking shopping seriously and the subtitle is how I almost overlooked a career that fits me hand in glove. She says, I work for a very large insurance company Monday through Friday. I review accident claims, assess the damage to automobiles and file reports. I tweet about 30 forms a day talk to clients on the phone and start my lunch countdown at about eleven fifteen. all of you bunch o'clock you know damn well what that means oh and i doodle a lot wait i'm sorry what am i doing i'm writing about a life the way my father planned it hang on this is supposed to be my life the way i planned it sorry i got confused for a second you see my dad wanted me to be safe and insured and then happy or not but safe and insured for certain it was a dad thing and a thing from his generation he worked for one very large insurance company for 37 years one life one job that was how you did it day one of 1968 enter one daughter with little or no interest in anything insured or even numeric really dad loved me dearly and was charmed by my interests, but he couldn't identify with a single one of them you see i grew up in the brown bathroom owned it claimed it at a very young age, and she goes on to tell how at seven she shared the brown bathroom with her younger brother and started setting up makeup and concoctions and gifts for her mother, and amazing story, so I hope I was able to do justice to that in a little bit of poetic license there, Debbie, but it's a wonderful story, just a wonderful story. Thank you, and you gave it wonderful, wonderful,
1: (laughs) uh, uh, shined the light on that beautifully, and it is a really amazing story. Thank thank you.
2: You know, and it's... By the way... What? Go ahead. Mm-hmm. Oh, I was just going to say it's
1: just it's one of those it's inspiring because all of us have been there. You know, even if we've had a, a, an amazing career, it's like, well, then what's next? And I think yes. that that's what's so inspiring is because Holly's had what's next, what's next, what's next, um, until she's in this place where she's just really
2: um, really uh, soaring her gift in the world. Mm-hmm. Really on fire. And I must mention, uh, Lynne Chapman is waiting in the wings. In about five, six minutes, Lene will be bringing you on. But what you just said about we've all been there, Debbie, so many of us changing careers, and in and out of jobs and figuring out what's our passion, what's our best life, what's our mission, where do we really want to end up? Always looking, always seeking. Well, that's part of what Linnea is going to be talking about from the perspective of now that you're out of college and nobody's telling you what to do, and maybe you don't have a daddy like Holly Gettys, how do you figure out what to spend, where to go, what to do for profession, how to dress, how to eat, where to travel, who to pick for your friends, a lot of uh, what I'll call the tabula rasa of life, the the uh, What do we used to call it? The tabula rasa is the uh, the the clean slate. That's what a lot of people call the, the mind. When we come out of the womb, we have the tabula rasa, mm. what's going to be written on the slate of our mind and our heart. But mm. I digress. I want to, in the next couple of minutes, before we bring on Lene Chapman, I want to talk about your chapter, Debbie Phillips. You put it all the way starting at page 87 in your book. It's called Healing the Heart, Leaning into Grief. And finding gold. How appropriate! I'm thinking of uh, who's our friend who wrote *Leaning In*, women. Um, oh, oh, Sheryl Sandberg. <laughs> Sheryl Sandberg. That's right. And her her quote is on my mind. Even though her her name wasn't on my mind for a second there, because she's a quote given to me by one of the guests on my business radio show. We're talking about some interesting uh, corporate technology game changers tomorrow on my Financial Excellence with Game Changers okay. show. So somebody gave me the quote from from, uh, Cheryl. So you talk about a very, very serious day in your life. You were 10 and the oldest of five. I don't want to give away the whole story, but Debbie, what was it like for you to write such a deeply personal story about you and the woman who became, for a way too brief period of time, I would say your muse, your mentor, your mantra, Libby, your mother-in-law, and you lost her. Lost her. Yeah. Yes, and yes, all all of those things. things. My mother in love I used to call her. <laughs> what
0: and
2: what what did you what did you go through when you decided to put this story in the book? Because it must have taken a lot out of you, I imagine.
1: Well, you know, it actually did, and I knew that I wanted to write about this, and, of course, I was taking care of everybody else's chapter. I did that thing that you shouldn't do. You know, you should take care of yourself first and mm-hmm. and then take care of everyone else. But, of course, I could use that as an excuse instead of really getting down, because I knew that it would be painful. But I will tell you this. I ended up and wrote this chapter really just in a couple of days. I, I had thought about it for a very, very long time. And I remember I mostly sat in my bed when I when I read it, wrote it, and then I just sobbed and sobbed. And what was really amazing about it is, I'm so proud of the story. I'm so proud of really the tribute to her and what she meant in my life because she was such an amazing woman. And I was blessed to have a mentor like that and mm-hmm. to have it be my mother-in-law. And once it was printed, I, uh, you know, once it was finished and then it was published, um, it, it it really was joyful. I've really. You know, I got past some of the grief. I think it took another big layer and level of grief. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, I leaned into it. You know, it
2: was true. I leaned into it and I found gold. Yeah, very, very poignant, very beautifully told, by the way. And the the amazing way you describe this instant bonding with you and Libby. Mm -hmm. You met her and you just knew in the time you spent together doing and sharing and talking and cuddling and going places and it was like you were uh, like i (laughs) bonnie don't cry like i talk about myself and my daughter it's like we're one heart that's been it's become two halves it's a mirror image two people who just know you just know Ooh, can't cry people accuse me of turning on and off the tears but they're real honey they're real so, well, I feel them, uh, and uh, I really, I really, really appreciate it. And you, really could, you know, really Libby could. is alive
1: and well. This woman who she founded hospice in Ohio, and yes. I mean, it tells you something about the enormity of this woman and her yes. gifts. And thank you so much because
2: thank you know you. she
1: died a long time ago now, and and she's still mm-hmm. here. So thank you. I feel mm-hmm. it, Bonnie. <laughs> Thanks.
2: Oh, okay. Let's take a deep breath now. And I want you to do a little bit of promotion here. We're going to give the website you'd like people to go to. We gave it once. You say it. I'll spell it. And then together we're going to welcome Lene. And you're going to stay on with us, Debbie Phillips. And you're going to join in the conversation. When we bring Lene on in about a minute and a half, I'm going to ask her to comment on what she heard because she's been listening diligently on the line. And we're going to open her line and we're going to together say... Welcome to Read My Lips, Lene Chapman, but not quite yet. What website do you want people to visit, Debbie Phillips? Uh, WomenOnFire.com is perfect. Okay, I'm going to spell it. Women, W-O-M-E-N, on O-N Fire, F-I-R-E. Put it all together. No punctuation. Upper or lower case. It really doesn't matter. You should know this doesn't by matter. now. Women on Fire, dot com. I'm also on the .org version. Either one works. There's a pr- very nice picture of the fantastic cover. Who did the cover art for Women on Fire, Debbie? I love it. Do you know what? It was a freelancer in Croatia.
1: Didn't she do a beautiful Yet. job? It was a Yet young art. woman. Fantastic. Nice Thank you.
2: Those of you listening, if you do nothing else, if we have inspired you to do nothing more, go to her website, womenonfire.com or .org, and go look at a picture of the book. It says, Welcome to Women on Fire, on the right. And you can sign up for Debbie's free newsletter, The Spark. I'm going to be signing up, of course, and I'm going to tweet about this later on. I hope, oh, there we are. Be a Woman on Fire is on live with Radio Red 777, Blog Talk Radio. Thank you. Listen, yes, to hear here, Debbie, share her secrets about women on fire. Thank you for the tweet. I'm looking at your website and I will I'm gonna retweet it right now. Just give me a second here. We're we're live. We do it. There we go. Terrific. Thank you very much. It's been posted. Don't we love Twitter? Yes, we do. Oh, okay. Really. Love them all. Now, Facebook. Twitter. Debbie Phillips. And I have to spell Phillips so we make sure everybody gets it right. It's P H I L L I P S. Did I get that right?
1: You're a good speller.
2: Yep. Okay, D-E-B-B-I-E. You know everybody, one L, one P, one F, one B, who knows a Y, an I-E. Okay, you ready? Welcome to I'm Read ready. My Lips, Lene Chapman. Let's do it together. I'm opening her All mic right. now. One, two, three. Welcome Welcome to Read My to read Lips, my Lips Lene. Lene
0: Chapman. Chapman, we did
2: it. <laughs> Lene, Ooh, this is the Bonnie and Debbie Show. Welcome.
0: How are you? Thank you so much. I'm great. How are you today?
2: We're great. We're wonderful. I know you've been listening, and I want to talk to you, of course, about your wonderful book. But first, any comments, any thoughts for Debbie Phillips before we segue, segue into Secrets to Our Rocket Life? Talk to me. Talk to Debbie, Lene. Oh,
0: okay. Yeah, Debbie. I, first of all, just wanted to like congratulate and thank you on doing your work to support other women, because that's just so important and like my book isn't specifically tailored to women but as a woman i know the importance of having that support and i've been seeing a lot of dialogue on the online community about that also so just thank you for doing that work
1: well my pleasure and i'm so excited to hear all about what your book is about too so thank you well, good, I'm you. glad you had
2: a chance to talk. And, Lene, we're going to turn the spotlight on you now, my dear. I have your book in e-book format. I want to give out your website in case people want to read more. And you have a free newsletter as well called a free Quarter Life Crisis Repair Kit. It's a four-video series, and it's L-E-N-N-A-Y Chapman, dot com. You'll see a picture of the beautiful, smiling, lovely Lene Chapman. I have two beautiful ladies on today, and you've already been seen on CNBC, why not? And the book is Secrets to a Rockin' Life, How to Find Passion, Direction, and Fulfillment After College. So let's level set here, Lene. First of all, the book is not specifically for women. It's for
0: anybody after college, Correct. It is for anybody after college. I would say it's probably more geared toward women because I write from a feminine perspective. However, um, as you may know, if you've looked through it or looked at the exercises, really anyone can do it. Okay, good. And I, I think I said in my monologue
2: earlier in the show, Lene, that I don't think it's just for people out of college. I think anybody at any life stage, and we'll talk to Debbie and bring her into this a little bit later in the show, I think it's for anybody who, uh, because those of us, I'm going to read a little bit from the beginning of your book, if I may. Linnea, I want you to talk up just Mm -hmm. a little bit louder for me, okay? Oh, okay, yep. That's good. I know you're calling on a cell phone. Where are you calling from, by the way? I'm on the Upper East Side of Manhattan, so right here in New York as
0: well. I'm on Long Island,
2: so here we are. We've got an East Coast rocking crowd here today. Okay, I'd like to read from the introduction, just to level set and to introduce your concept. May I read for a moment here?
0: Oh, absolutely.
2: Okay, Lene Chapman says, if you're reading this guide to life, you've probably had a moment like this. And I want everybody to close your eyes for a second and let me describe what Lene puts so well into words because it's happened to me in another phase of life many times since I graduated from college, and I'll tell you about that in a moment. She says, you log into Facebook, scroll down the news feed, and feel your stomach sinking You don't like what you see, but you keep scrolling anyway. As you see more photos, more statuses, more check-ins, you feel worse and worse, and you finally give up and sign off, walk away from the computer trying to forget everything you just saw. The question is, what is it that made you feel so bad? Well, and here's the kicker, everybody. Listen to this and see if it resonates, because it did with me. Your childhood friend just uploaded breathtakingly beautiful photos of her vacation. Your college classmate just landed a big job. Your former roommate just bought a beautiful house. Oh, yeah, and that girl you hated so much in high school has a big fat engagement ring. And the two minutes it took you to see all this, you've gone from feeling like life is A-OK to feeling like you have the most boring life in the world. So you wonder, why don't I have these things, the vacations, the job, the house, the engagement ring? It's a good question. And Linnea asked herself this question constantly feeling jealous of other people's accomplishments and unsure of what she wanted in the first place. So let's talk about why does this happen, Lene? Why does this happen where we see a report? And and I was referring earlier to the fact that when I graduated, graduated from college, my two lady friends here, we didn't have Facebook, we didn't have Google, we didn't have Internet, we didn't have email, we didn't have cell phones. Oh, back in the dark ages, my God. But what we did have was books that came out from the college once a year hardbound books like magazines, and they were the class updates. And you got to read who was doing what. And I went to a prestigious, at the time, all-girls college in Bronxville, New York, I'll tell you later, and everybody seemed to have just opened an art gallery or just become an ambassador or just married this man who was the king of some fantastic far-off place or they had just published their first or their third novel within a couple of years of graduation. I was awestruck, starstruck, and very depressed. So talk to me, Lene Chapman.
0: You had this happen to you, yes? <laughs> Absolutely, Yeah. Especially in the first year or two after college, when you're really not even sure what you want in the first place. Um, it's really easy to feel jealous of everyone else. And, I mean, I think it's important to keep in mind that, first of all, when people are uploading those things onto Facebook or submitting them into that um, guide that you were referencing. Right, the alumni news is what it is, yes. Yeah, of course they're going to put all of their best accomplishments into it. Like, nobody wants to air their dirty laundry. So you kind of have to keep that perspective and realize, you know, it's not that my life is so bad. It's just that everybody's putting forth, you know, their best accomplishments. <laughs> um, and then the second part of it that I dive right into in Chapter 1 of my books is just um, – getting centered around and realizing what it is that you really want because sometimes we see, you know, these people with a great home or these people taking a great vacation and we never even stop to think in the first place, you know, is that what I want?
2: Um, Mm -hmm. And so by
0: taking that time to think about what you want, then you can start actually taking actions to get you what you want. And then also by clarifying what it is that you want, you stop feeling jealous of everyone else because you realize, no, this is what I want. It's not that other thing. Does that make sense? It makes a lot of sense, and you
2: have some really good, very simple exercises, and you lay it right out. You need five minutes. You need a piece of paper, a journal, a pen, a pencil, whatever it is. Follow the instructions. Keep an open mind. I like that simple guidance, and you make a point of saying you don't need any special skills to do this. Just find the parts of the book that make sense to you that might mirror or resonate with what your quest is, and then do the exercise and, and find some clarity. So what was your journey like, Lene? You're the one with the Facebook page. You're the one. I know you're a young lady. Uh, what was your journey like? What specifically was irking you that other people had or did or were bragging about that you didn't? And what was your, your main pain point at this point that made you write the book?
0: Well, I would say that the first couple of years out of college were really challenging Um I was fortunate to have a job, so in a way I felt like, okay, I should be happy right now, I should have what everybody wants, because I graduated in um, December of '09, so it was really still a pretty tough economy. And so I felt like I should be happy, but I wasn't. And so, um, like, some of the things that were making me jealous were other people's travels or, yeah, I guess other people's relationships or apartments. Um, But really, I think the, the main problem was the fact that my life wasn't as exciting as I wanted it to be. And because I had this job, and I was like, what can I do to make my life more exciting? And I didn't think that there was an answer. And so once I got in touch with what I wanted, which was actually more excitement in my life, including maybe more travel,
2: then I was
0: able to start, yeah, I was able to start taking steps toward that. And one thing that I always talk about is I did something really simple. I took a two-hour flying trapeze class here in New York. And, you know, Ooh. it was a two-hour, like, $60 investment of my time. But, yeah, it was it was something really interesting and different and made me feel like, okay, I can do something that adds excitement to my life, that I'm looking forward to after work. It's like developing hobbies and that's something that nobody else will do for you. Very, very interesting. So it's a big question here, the question
2: for you, for my listeners, a question so many of my authors are trying to help us figure out, Lynne, is what do I really want? What's your, your cure or your direction or your guidance for people who are reading your book? people who are listening to the show and by the way the show is we're live and today is Monday the tenth of June. It's East Coast time now, seven forty PM but the podcast, the recorded version will be up in about ten minutes when we're done at eight o'clock and it stays up forever and ever. So if you know somebody who is interested in this topic and you're listening now have them go to blogtalkradio.com dot com forward slash forward slash. That's good, Bonnie. I haven't started drinking yet. Forward slash Bonnie D Graham. B O N N I E D G R A H A M. So much for spelling with a sane mind here. So, um, Lynae, how do we figure out what it is we want? How did you know? How did you figure out? How did you compute that you wanted more excitement in your life? Because that's something a lot of people say, oh, I want more excitement, I want more money, I want more this. Is it always more, more, more? How did you know what would make you happy?
0: Well, actually, I read a book by Deepak Chopra. It was called um, Life After Death, which is kind of ironic that this book helped me live life. But in the book, it kind of gave me permission to think about what I wanted because the idea is that on a molecular level, people are built um, uniquely. And then the things that resonate with you are, like, naturally compatible on a molecular level. And once I got that concept, then I thought, okay, I think it's okay for me to actually truly want whatever I want because it's, like, in my nature on a molecular level and so after i had given myself that kind of permission i was able to mm-hmm. identify like things that i wanted but like my advice to people would be one to be honest with yourself because i couldn't do anything to help myself until i admitted to myself i'm not totally happy and i want something different in my life or i want some new aspects of my life um so that's That's probably my first piece of advice, and my second piece would just be to kind of have the talk with yourself regularly about, okay, am I still happy? Is there something that's missing from my life? Is there something new that I want? And just be honest with yourself on an ongoing basis. Lene, do you
2: have any any input for people on what percent of time you should invest in this question and answer period or this Searching and trying to figure out, doing the exercises in your book, is it something you do every day, every week, every month, twice a year, on your birthday? What's your guidance for? How how much do you invest in what would make me happy?
0: I would say it's more according according to how happy you already are. (laughs) If you're having, like, a great month, everything's going great, you're at the National Publicity Summit and on vacation, maybe you're not going to be thinking about, like, What do I want? Because life is just great. But whenever things start to feel a little mundane or you're just not so excited about life anymore, I would say that's a great time to just take the five minutes to get a pen and a piece of paper and start being honest again about what do I want? What would be exciting to me right now? And what would that exercise look
2: like? Is it just taking a, a blank sheet of paper and writing down the top five things you're interested in or things you have never done that you might want to branch out into? What's your What's your formula for that first exercise, which I think is a big step for most people, Lene?
0: Yeah, yeah. I um, actually took a class in manifesting that gave me the specific advice to Start doing that because who who really thinks to do that, to write down everything you want? <laughs> nobody, nobody. We talk about it. We complain about it. We might
2: maybe, no, we won't put it on Facebook because we don't want people to think that we aren't the happiest, most successful person in the world. You don't share that. You only share the really great stuff, Right. So, yes, that's uh-huh. I, got, I got tired of, of, I was checking in, and I'll give you an update, both of you, and I'll bring Debbie in in a second on this. Oh, about a year ago, I was reading Facebook every single day, and I have a lot of people I follow who follow me, and I was just agape, aghast. First thing in the morning, I wake up, I guess that's when I first got my iPad, so I could do it in bed, and I wake and, up and say, oh, got to check into Face. Oh, my God, look at this, this person has a five inspirational posters they put this is such great stuff oh these are quotes from rock and roll. oh my god so-and-so's on a trip look at where she went look at the movie star she ran into in a restaurant and this guy just got a new plane and oh my god this dog is on tv and i know the person who owns it and i was flabbergasted i thought boy what have i got to talk about nothing much and after about a week of this I stopped checking into Facebook every day because it was just getting depressing. Mm -hmm. And I realized, as you said in the beginning, Lene, they're just telling us the great stuff. Who knows whether they couldn't get their car to start or whether the beans turned out to be too (laughs) refried or whether they got a parking ticket or whether they didn't get a raise. They're just telling you about their great trip, and that's all they wanted you to know. So I want to bring Debbie Phillips into this. Debbie, I'm sure this resonates with you. What are your thoughts about looking for... Mr. or Ms. Goodbar, or looking for the shiny apple or the green grass or what's going to make you happy. What you certainly have interviewed enough women, and you have twenty women on fire stories. What have you come across, even in your own life, Debbie, that would be on a parody with what is talking about?
1: Well, we have something that we talk about in our in our coaching, both in Women on Fire and then in our our private practices as well, and that is unhappy people compare themselves to others, and happy people compare themselves Mm -hmm. to their own goals. So very much what Lene was talking about, and I loved it, and I I just have to tell you, Lene, I'm so impressed. I I was having this very conversation three hours ago with my 19-year-old college goddaughter, and I love that you had the awareness to really wake up and take responsibility for yourself and say, what is it that I want? And stop comparing yourself, you know, with other people. Um, because it, there is always somebody richer, smarter, be more right. beautiful, always, no matter how gorgeous we are. And so mm-hmm. when you get clear on your goals and what you're taking action on and you make the comparison on that, did I fall short, did I exceed my goal, you're going to be a lot happier. And that's, that's, that's how I work with uh, my Women on Fire.
2: Very interesting. And, and Debbie, how yeah. do you coach your women on fire in terms of how much time to spend on this? Do you agree with Lene that when you're happy and everything's going well, it, it just go with it and then wait till you don't feel so happy or you don't yeah. feel so fulfilled or excited? So it's okay yeah. to, to – it, it shouldn't be an ongoing exercise all the time. Well, here, I will
1: um, – let me tell you how – This is really how I do it,
2: and and it's it's like
1: a rolling exercise. So I go along, and I'm happy, I'm happy. And then this is the question I ask myself. What is the love I still have to give to the world? Mm. So when I get stuck or I'm like, oh, this is not feeling so great, I go, what is the love I still have to give to the world? And that that breaks my personal logjam. And so... I always just think of it as rolling, just like that, you know, I'm happy, 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 Uh uh-oh, I'm stuck, what's the love?
2: Interesting. I I like that a lot, and that reminds me, I want to read something else from Lene's book. Lene, may I read another little point I'd like you to respond to? Absolutely. Okay. This is where some of this come from comes from, Debbie and Linnae. Linnae says members of older generations sometimes tell people in their twenties to keep their expectations realistic. Be happy with the status quo. Well, sometimes they say it to help us avoid failure and disappointment. I think it's to keep us in a cocoon. This happens at all ages. Now, oh, don't spend too much, don't take too much risk, don't go gaga over that. It comes from different generations, I'll use plural, of needing to seek safety and comfort and security. I think we're out of that mode today. Debbie and Lene, would you both agree with that, that we're talking about? If you want excitement, go find it, of course. Be safe, of course. Don't spend everything you've got on one small thing 60 bucks for two hours of trapeze is probably a smart investment if that's what you really want to do, but it's not like $6,000 for two trapeze lessons, so it it sounds very reasonable. But keep it reasonable. Keep it within the scope of what you can afford mentally, physically, financially, spiritually. Would you both agree with that? There there still should be some common sense as you seek to perhaps experiment with what you want to do, who you really want to be. Let me ask Lynne first. What do you think?
0: Yeah, I think everyone has a slightly different comfort level, and actually, yes. I'm usually pretty conservative. I don't want to spend six thousand dollars on a trapeze class. <laughs> um, but I just the the part about keeping expectations realistic. I don't think that um, the attitude should be if I want to take a six thousand dollars six thousand dollar flying trapeze class, I can't. I think it should be like. There is a way to get what I want. How am I going to do it?
2: Mm hmm. Okay, and that's part of the challenge, too. It, another thing is it, taking responsibility, you mentioned, but taking responsibility so that after you do whatever this next make you feel good or make you feel better or more productive or more expansive in your life that you could live with the consequences or the cost of what you did. It's not just, wow, look what I want to do, but it's, yes, I'll look back and say that was a good investment of my time, my energy, my money, my mental capacity that I invested well and got a good return or I could afford to take the risk. Debbie, do you agree with that? I think you're both genius, Lynnae and Bonnie. Yes, I agree with everything.
1: I agree with all that. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, cool. And I've seen it work. I mean, we—I've had clients yeah. now for 20 years, and and with very similar, pra- you know, practices. And that's that's you're right on.
2: Now, I, I would say, uh, Debbie, I want you to agree or disagree with, and I have a feeling you're going to agree with me, that what Linnaeus is talking about in the 20-something post-college graduation uh, mindset and, and that age group, but I don't know, are they millennials? I don't know what they call themselves, what you call yourself. Mm-hmm. What, what do you call yourself, Linnaeus? Are you millennial?
0: Yeah, I definitely speak to the millennial generation. It spans quite a few years, actually, um, and it's considered the generation after generation X. Uh-huh okay Mm -hmm. i had a feeling i'm i'm i try to keep up with all the x's and the y's (laughs) and the millennials i like millennials because
2: it's a real word not just an access letter access as in x and y access however um bonnie what was your point if i could only remember i'd be a genius okay the point is that i think what you're talking about applies to all stages of life Lene. i think you're i believe that your your mantra of you don't have to sit around and be jealous of other people and you don't have to stop going on Facebook because like, oh my God, look what they did. (laughs) If you want something different, go out and find it, make it happen, Mm -hmm. be sane about it, make it beneficial to you. But I think that the, it happens in many different stages of life. And Debbie, I want you to pipe in on this, please. Let's see what time it is. We have uh, nine minutes left. We're going to talk for another four Then we're going to do our shameless promotion. What's next for you? And then we'll do the big moi. So Debbie Phillips, do you find that this is an ongoing life situation that we we get stuck and we want something different or better more fulfilling more exciting more fun more colorful more drab we, we want to make change a lot in our lives these days mm-hmm. Well, we just want to be.
1: We we don't want to be in pain. So people don't. I, I never had anybody come to me and say, "Well, maybe I have I had have one or two people in all of the thousands of people I've dealt with. Nobody wants to make change. They want to feel better. They want to be happier. They want what what they what they want." And I just want to say, I think it is incredible and really, really important that Lynae is doing the work she's doing for this age group. Yes. Um, women on Fire is very intergenerational. We have a lot of young women in particular, and I know how desperately they really need a program that's tailored for them. So good for you. These kinds of programs, are, and especially I've seen a lot of quarter-life crisis issues when people turn that 24, 25, 26, and um, really important work.
2: And, and bravo thank you, to you so Linnea. much. That's a big yeah, compliment. thank you, Debbie, for that accolade. You know something, ladies? I had never heard of the term "quarter-life crisis" until I saw it on Lene's one sheet when she gave it to mm. me. I, I was not aware mm. that people had a crisis at a quarter mm. life to me yeah. it's the midlife crisis or the senior mm-hmm. crisis or the i'm i'm almost at a crisis age again although i feel very much younger than my my physical biological age but i i think that we have this awakening that happens every once in a while and i believe mm-hmm. that age as you get older Debbie, you mm-hmm. could probably agree with me, Lene has no clue about mm-hmm. this. When you get to certain ages, it's when those fives flip over, you go to the next zero, yeah. it's OMG birthdays. Yeah, OMG. <laughs> I'm I'm gonna do a fiver OMG in a couple of months. And I'm I'm looking at it seriously and saying, Well, what have I done? What am I doing? Am I doing some kind of truthful something yes i think i found part of my my life's truth in speaking to people like the two of you debbie phillips and Lynne chapman in giving you an opportunity to speak with each other and with me on live radio and present your points of view and your research and your work and share it with the world i think the world needs to hear all kinds of points of view but that's one of my truths i don't think that will ever go away however there are other things i'm still working on so I believe that it's we're ongoing in terms of our personal evolution that the person who sits still and says, yep, this is it, I'm completely fine, I don't want to make any changes, I don't know, maybe maybe they're the happy ones and we don't respect that, or maybe they're in a cocoon and they're missing out. What do you think, Debbie? Do you think people who just mm-hmm. say, this is great, I'm happy, I don't need to do anything, go anywhere, I, I'm just happy? I have a, a well, routine well, you know every something, day? Um,
1: I happen to be very fortunate that one of my friends is Stedman Graham. He's he, most of you know him as a um, uh-huh. uh, boyfriend. uh right. Uh, he yes. has been a longtime friend of mine for 20 years. And one of the things that he says that I really ascribe to is he said, he says, you know, really, there's only about 20, two, excuse me, 2% of all people are really aspiring to do something. Most people are really happy to go home and turn on television and get up the next day and do their thing okay. and come home and watch TV. Thank two, you it's only that. 2%. And and I, I you know, I believe the percent is probably a little bit higher, but um, honestly, Bonnie, you know, you you're in a rarefied air in some in some way. We all are, all three of us, us here. So, um, but thank heavens because those are the people that are making things better in the world or making changes in the world. So, making um, things happen. That's right. We're the ones yeah, that are on fire, and now
2: it's time. Time for us to do. We have five minutes left, and the clock is unforgiving. So, ladies, I'm going to turn to Lynae Chapman first. Lynae, I'm going to ask you, what's next for you, my friend, my dear? Your book is e-book. Is it coming out on hard copy, and where will it be available? And any are you giving any webinars, seminars, traveling? Tell me, what's up for you?
0: well, right now it's available um, in e-book form on my website, LynaeChapman.com. And I would encourage people to also go there and get that quarter-life crisis repair kit. Even if maybe you're not having a quarter-life crisis, it gives some really helpful advice relating to the things we were just talking about. Um, Also, my book will be coming out on Amazon shortly, so you can look for that there. Um, and also, I would really like to invite people to connect with me on Facebook or Twitter, like at Lene Chapman is my Twitter handle, or Facebook.com slash Lene Chapman, because um, I really love meeting millennials or other people who love this type of personal development and being that part of the 2% that Debbie was just referencing.
2: I think we're safely good. I'm going to pop that up to 4 to 5%. Debbie, can we live with that? Yeah, I can do that. <laughs> <laughs> Steadman, we and, to and if you would have told me you're a good friend of Stedman Graham's, we would have let off the show with that, my goodness gracious. Oh, Throwing oh, that, I love name-dropping, I love name-dropping. Oh, I'm sure he's, he's, he's a great quite guy. quite a He's great wor- he's worthy of it. <laughs> Wonderful, and now it's time. To, thank you, Lene. and Linnae Chapman is L-E-N. N-A-Y-C-H-A-P-M-A, and you'll see her beautiful smiling face on her website, Lenachapman.com and Debbie Phillips, your beautiful smiling face is on your website, and we're going to use womenonfire.com. And Debbie Phillips, what's next for you?
1: Well, I'm eagerly awaiting Women on Fire book two, and you will be able to buy both of those, both the first book and the second book um, on Amazon or at the, our website, which is womenonfire.com, as you so graciously shared. And I too invite uh, women to uh, join me on Facebook on the Women on Fire group. Um, if you type that in, you, you will come up to us. It's kind of a semi-private group, so you have to ask to join. But if you mm-hmm. say that you heard me on Bonnie Graham's show, I will let you in. And um, and we're just busy with our teas. And, and, of course, we'll have a book tour this fall, and we'll be certainly in New York and Ohio and, and California this year and Chicago. And uh, anywhere that we um, uh women. Uh, uh, anywhere women need women. to be
2: on fire. <laughs> exactly. exactly. And, Inspiration. And please, anyone anyone
1: wants to come to yes. a tea in New York, you're invited.
2: Wonderful, and you can register for the free newsletter subscription to the Spark at WomenOnFire.com. I'm going to turn on the music in exactly 28 seconds. I just got the 90-second bell in my ear. I don't think my ladies heard that. My timekeeper is very private at the end of the show. I'm going to ask Debbie Phillips and Lynne Chapman to take a deep breath, and we're going to send a shout out to the world to be inspired, to find the strategy that works for you, whatever it is, and to go. Share your support with somebody who might need it and somebody who might enrich your life by sharing their support. So we're just about ready. Three seconds. Here we go. I'm putting on the music. Here we go. We are up. Okay. And Debbie and Linnea, I want you to join me in the big moi kiss. I'm waiting for the music, and it's not happening. Let's see. There we go. Hey, musician, strike up the band. Okay. I'm going to lower the music. Debbie and Linnea, let's do the big moi kiss. Here we go. Mmm. Come on, come on,
0: right. <laughs> thank you debbie phillips Thank I you, love you and
2: lovely to meet both of you at the national publicity summit a few weeks ago thanks for being in my first round of guests here on the show in this i call you the spring class of 2013 i'm bonnie Degram. i won't be back next monday live i'm going to be at a conference running a customer panel for my company very big company but i'll see you back live the week after that you can always find me on blog, talkradio.com, slash Bonnie D. Graham. Love you all. Lorna, talk to you later. Big kiss and shout-out to everyone. And we'll talk to you really soon. Debbie and Lene, thank you both. It's been a great show. Lovely to meet you. My music is going loud and soft, loud and soft, and it's going to lower in just a minute. Bonnie signing off. Big hugs and kisses to everyone. Go inspire, support, strategize, and give someone a hug. The world certainly needs it. Here we go.